Amen. And so why don't we just, without further ado, turn it right over to the man of God tonight. What do you say? Amen. You can say it with me. Brother Collins, preach to me. Let's say that together. Brother Collins, preach to me. God bless you, brother. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. The Lord bless you. Please be seated. It is a privilege, first of all, to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. And any time that God allows us to come into his presence is a privilege. He owes us nothing. And uh, that he would allow us one more opportunity tonight. I thank him for it and I want to make the most of it. Amen. I certainly give honor to your pastor tonight, Elder and Sister Riggin. What tremendous people they are. What a tremendous man of God he is. Amen. And certainly I wish he was here. And uh, I know you do too. If you don't feel that way, you have a problem. And, uh, but I sure wish he was here tonight. And uh, I appreciate his confidence in us to be here even while he is absent. And I give honor to Brother Jared. Uh, what a good man he is, that your pastor can rely on him. And I know he has for many years. And that's a tremendous uh, English word is escaping my mind. But um, there's a word there. Uh, but I know Brother Jared and I are young. I met him, I remember, it was 2008. And uh, we were both a long ways from where we are now. And, uh, uh, but that, that Elder Riggin could count on him, a young man, a man that's dedicated to the house of God, to the work of God. I give honor to him. And uh, when I grow up, I want to be like him. Amen. And I'm just thankful for the privilege to be here. I honor God's people. There's no people I would rather be with than God's people. And uh, you're not the people I'm usually with, uh, but I'm happy to be here tonight. Amen. And uh, to be in an English-speaking service, we enjoy that every now and then. And uh, so it's just, it's just good to be here. It's been a couple years, and uh, I enjoyed the last time more than I enjoy this time. And the reason I say that is last time you all were in revival with Brother Savala. And so I knew when I came, I was just going to talk about Taiwan, and then I was going to get to hear someone else preach. <laughs> so I wish Brother Savala was here. <laughs> Amen. But it's, it's a privilege to be here once again with you tonight. And uh, just to update you a little bit, God is still working in Taiwan. He's doing great things. And uh, since the last time we were here, one good thing about being gone from somewhere for two years is you don't remember what I said the last time I was here, and neither do I. And so anything I say, it's all new again. And, uh, but God has continued working in Taiwan. The last time we were here, uh, we were kind of stuck in the States at that time uh, due to the COVID restrictions. We were waiting for some of the uh, there were some particular ones that needed to be lifted due to wanting to separate families and such during quarantine. And thank God that was all taken care of. But not too long after we were here, we were able to go back. Uh, and we've been there for the majority part, except for a couple trips here and there back to the States. And uh, uh, now we are pastoring on the north end of the island in a city called Taipei. And then we are in uh, pastor just a little bit further south as well in a city called Shinju. These are the two newest works that the Brackens had started, Elder and Sister Bracken and Brother Chris Bracken. We work under them, and we're happy to do so. 
and uh, uh, we're not trying to do something new, something different. Brother Chris has continued on. Uh, he is the director, the we call him the bishop uh, of the work in Taiwan. Uh, the reason we use the word bishop, well, I mean, that's a biblical word, but uh, in America, we often use the word elder. In Taiwan, uh, that particular word, Zhang Lao, is... Uh, is actually a particular religion. It's the Presbyterian Church, and so we stay away from that word just to, for some differentiation. And uh, just for a little Chinese lesson, the word for cockroach is jonglong, so it's pretty close. And so you can, <laughs> you can imagine what I call that church <laughs> when I'm in Taiwan, and the people love it, <laughs> cockroach church. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, uh, Brother Chris Bracken's the bishop. He oversees all the works. He does a tremendous job. And uh, I'm telling you, he preaches it straight, and he lives it. And uh, uh, he has continued on with what Elder and Sister Bracken established 40-something years, uh, just over 40 years that Elder and Sister Bracken labored in that country, starting churches, preaching the gospel, and seeing many people saved. And uh, we're not looking for another way because the old way still works. Amen. And uh, I've come to realize some things. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. And uh, I believe that applies in more than one way. I believe if I pray, God will hear my prayer. I believe if you pray, God's going to hear your prayer if you're living right. And, uh, but I also believe that God's not going to respect a certain way for you to get to heaven and another way for someone else to get to heaven. Amen. And so God doesn't have a special way for the Chinese people. Amen. It still takes Acts 2.38 to make it to heaven. Amen. It doesn't matter your skin color, the language you speak. It's the same thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. And so we're preaching the same message, and we see the same results. Amen. It doesn't matter the language difference. God still moves when you preach His Word. Amen. And conviction comes at the Word of God. And, of course, it's a, a, a pagan country where we live. Uh, Buddhism is the, the biggest religion. You remember Big Buddha. It's the same guy. And uh, they have him set up in various areas. And uh, they, they worship him. And then also they have uh, a religion called uh, Taoism. And Taoism is a, 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 it's a little bit different, but they... they uh, uh, they have more idols in their temple than just Buddha, but a lot of the people intermix, they worship all of them. Taoism uh, uh, has the little trinity right up on top of their temple, and then a whole bunch of devils down below. And uh, literally, they, they, have, they have these devils, they call them gods, but they're not gods, but there are, there are real spirits behind those. And uh, they worship these uh, creatures. And one interesting thing is it's out of fear. They don't love these things. They're terrified of them. And uh, they go into worship to burn incense, to offer money for their ancestors and all these different things uh, because they're afraid what will happen if they don't worship these gods. And uh, I'm thankful we serve a God who loves us. Amen. Amen. I don't serve him because I'm terrified of what he's going to do. I serve him because he loved me first. Amen. And it's a privilege to love him back. Amen. And and to preach this gospel to them is a privilege. And so God brings people out of paganism. And uh, uh, what an interesting revelation it is to them to realize that there's one God, number one, and he loves me. 
Amen. I don't have to serve him because I'm terrified of him. We ought to have a fear of God. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. Uh, but when you realize that God died for me in my sin while I was still a sinner, that's pretty amazing. Amen. And so to preach that to them is a privilege. And then people who have been affected by charismatic uh, garbage. I hate charismaticism, if that's a word. I don't, I don't like it. There's a spirit behind it, and uh, it's evil. And uh, I know it's in this city, and it's in Taiwan. And uh, for somebody to pervert the word of God and begin to preach a doctrine from that, saying you can be saved living how you are, I hate it. It's not the truth. And uh, uh, we've had people come who thought they were saved. And, and I've realized that some people, the first step for them is realizing you're not saved. <laughs> and uh, it takes the word of God. It takes conviction for that to happen. And we've seen it happen. Just the simple uh, and that's not a criticism, but the simple word of God. Amen. It doesn't take something special. It just takes the light coming on from the word of God. And people begin to realize, hey, I have not experienced what the Bible says. And uh, we're working with a man right now who came. He was saved. And uh, as the word of God began to go forth, he realized, hey, I wasn't baptized right. And uh, he got to realizing some other things that he needed to change. And now he has repented. He's been baptized in Jesus' name, seeking the Holy Ghost. Uh, but he was one affected by this charismatic garbage. And I'm thankful that the Word of God penetrates through that filth. Amen. And the light of the Word of God can come on in someone's life. Amen. And they can be forever changed and really be ready for heaven. Amen. Because it really does matter how you're saved. Amen. There's only one way to be saved, repentance. Amen. Baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's not optional. It's the only way. Amen. Holiness within, holiness without. The Bible says without it, you're not going to see God. I believe that. I really believe it. If you don't have it, you're not going to see God. Amen. And so as we are laboring there, preaching the same thing you hear here. Amen. And, and it's a privilege to watch God work and do what He does. And I just want to be somebody that God can use. Amen. God just needs people. He could do it all on His own if He so chose. However, it's not what He chose. Amen. He chose to use people. And so it's a privilege to be working there. Uh, we live in a big area. Uh, not space-wise, but people-wise. There's a lot of people. And uh, uh, I, I asked Siri today. Uh, now, she is a lady on my phone, so I don't know if it was correct, but she told me, <laughs> she told me this metro area around here, Kansas City, over 2 million, does that sound right, the, the larger metro area? Yeah, so we live in a big area, too. There's about 8 million people in the city I live in, and I didn't think I should have done this. I should have calculated what the, uh, maybe one of you know, the, the square miles of Kansas City area. Uh, but it's a big area. I don't know what it is for sure. But um, as a reference, when, when I was in Phoenix a few weeks ago, and the square miles of Phoenix, there's about 5 million people in Phoenix, and it's about 14,600 square miles. So that's a pretty big city. Uh, it's kind of spread out. And uh, 5 million people. Where I live in Taipei, um, there is just about 900 square miles and 8 million people. And uh, so I got to doing a little calculation with a calculator because I'm not very good at math. 
But my calculator told me there's around 342 people per square mile in the city of Phoenix. If you've ever been to Phoenix, there's a lot of people. Where I live, there's around 9,000 people per square mile. And so there's, there's a few people to work with. Then you get to the neighborhood I live in. It's a little less than three square miles, about two, uh, I think it's 2.8 square miles, 2.7 square miles, 200,000 people. And so that equates to about 70,000 people per square mile. That's a lot of people. And uh, it's Asia. It's a different culture. So there's no personal space. Uh, you ride on the subway, and we thoroughly enjoy it. It's very clean. It's a very safe place. Uh, however, no personal space. I have ridden on the subway in the morning when people are going to work. And you are packed in so tight, you literally cannot fall over. You can lean over on your neighbor, forward, sidewards, backwards, and you won't go anywhere. You can completely lean over them. And there's no domino effect because the car is completely packed full. I've seen it so much that they could literally not get one more person in the car. And uh, so there's, there's a lot of people. Uh, and so the, the change in culture has, has been a little bit because I'm from Idaho, and uh, we like our space. And uh, uh, you don't just go get in somebody's face in Idaho, but in Taiwan you do. That's how you do it. If you're going to get off the uh, elevator doors, uh, you don't wait for everyone else to decide what they're going to do. You go and you put your face right up to the door. And you don't yield to the people that are trying to get on. You plow right on through. And uh, that's just how they do it. You don't hold doors for people. Elderly, women, it doesn't matter. You'll stand there all day holding doors for people because... That's not in their culture. They'll look at you like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and uh, so there's just some differences that we're getting used to. Uh, we've been there long enough now that we're kind of, uh, uh, I enjoy it a lot. My boys, they're, they're Asian. That's just what they do. We get off the plane in Taiwan, and uh, they start jumping around in the jetway because they're happy to be home. And uh, my, my father also pastors in predominantly uh, white people in the church, and we go home, and they... Uh, they look at all these white people, and they just stare at them. Like, like who are these people? And they, they don't realize that they're one of them. Uh, but they're uh, uh, my, little, my little Asian men. And uh, they, they're learning Chinese, and they do a good job. They, they, in fact, they speak better Chinese than we do. We have, obviously, a larger vocabulary than they do. Uh, but their tones, it's a tonal language. And their tones are perfect. We've met Chinese people, and they'll hear our boys speak, and uh, they sound like little natives. So, uh, uh, Lord willing, if the Lord tarries one day, you'll get to see them, and maybe they'll just be like Brother Chris Bracken. That's what I'm hoping. That'll be my little brother Chris Bracken's there. Uh, but it's a privilege to be working in Taiwan, learning this language, and uh, God has helped us immensely. And we appreciate your prayers and your support of the work in Taiwan, and we sure don't want you to feel bad for us. Uh, we're happy to be where God has called us, and uh, some people do feel bad for missionaries. I, maybe I did, too, when I was younger. I don't know. I guess, man, these people have to be a long ways from home, but uh, we don't feel like that, and uh, I've told some folks recently, Kansas is friendly country, so I can say this here, uh, but there's a lot of people on the west coast of this country that we can feel bad for if we need someone to feel bad for. <laughs> Amen. Thank God we don't live over there. Amen. That's a foreign country in and of itself. Amen. But it's a privilege to be here tonight. Amen. And I, my desire would be to be a blessing from the Word of God 
amen, to the people of God. Again, honor your pastor, Elder Riggin, and we look forward to when he can come to Taiwan. He's told me he wants to do it, so uh, we'll remind him of that. And now that the COVID restrictions are gone, we'll have to get on his list so we can get him over there. Amen. I know he'd be a tremendous blessing. Would you stand with me tonight? I also say thank you for the beautiful room and the, the personalized gift bag. How neat that was at the hotel. The lady said, I think this is yours. Actually, she asked me, is this yours? I said, well, if it matches my name. She said, I think it's yours. So it says our name on it and the different toys. My boys were so excited. The different toys they put in there. And uh, he was talking to his grandma on the way to church tonight. And uh, he was telling her, yeah, the hotel gave me a fire truck and a police car. And <laughs> hey, man, I guess guess little minds don't understand, but we thank the Riggins for that. Hey, man, their kindness to us. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. I've never been over three hours, and uh, so tonight won't be the first time. Hey, man, I promise. I just, I just say that for fun. Amen. I, I won't be long. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11, and we'll read at verse number 4. The Bible says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the privilege we have to be in your presence tonight, God. Your word is already anointed. Thank you for your spirit that we feel here tonight. I pray you'd loosen and anoint my mind to think your thoughts. Loosen and anoint my mouth that I may speak your word. Let your will be done here, God. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive your word and to do your word. Bless your people, your good, faithful people. Bless them tonight, God. Bless Elder and Sister Riggin as they travel. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. Please be seated. Amen. I, I, uh, I don't know what this is tonight. It's just from the Word of God. I'd hate to say I was teaching because you have one of the greatest teachers that's walked in shoe leather as your pastor. And so uh, I don't, uh, this is just from the Word of God. How about that? Amen. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. I read that the earth's population, I believe, has closed in on 8 billion people. Uh, that's, that's a few people. And uh, if you use America's way of spending money as a, as a reference point, uh, it doesn't seem like that many, <laughs> that much. Uh, but eight, 8 billion people, that's a lot of people. 330 million or so, I believe, in the U.S. China in the past has claimed to be number one. There's some disputing that, but uh, India uh, is probably number one, 1.4 billion, I believe, and China's not too far behind them, at least with the numbers they report. And uh, there's just a lot of people. It's hard to get your head around 8 billion people. And there's two types of people in the church that I feel to talk about tonight that God has dealt with me prior, uh, previously. And that is workers and weathermen. And a worker is one that performs, one that works. That's a definition that works for me. I'm simple. 
And uh, so worker, one that works. That makes sense. A weatherman is one who reports and forecasts the weather. And that is a job I would hate to have. Those guys are wrong, it feels like, 90% of the time. And uh, I guess at least they're getting paid for what they do. Uh, but trying to guess the weather, trying to guess what's going to happen. And, and in the kingdom of God, God is looking for workers. And I believe we're living in the last days. If you don't believe that, I think you're living under a rock. We're living in the last days, the closing time. Uh, and I believe that God is looking, uh, as one of the parables said, in the highways, in the byways, for those that are lost, those that are willing to hear this gospel message and to obey it so that they might be saved. And God's looking for workers, somebody to fulfill the, the job of looking and seeking out the lost. God is not looking for those who want to speculate and forecast about the work that he has for us to do. Amen. I used to work for the county in the, uh, the area that we lived in, and uh, I worked in a job we dealt uh, in the outdoors. We worked in invasive species and envir uh, environmental uh, area, invasive species dealing with plants, uh, animals, weeds, different things. Uh, 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 noxious weeds and invasive species is what it was called. And, and the majority of my job was working in the outdoors on the land uh, with noxious weeds. The feds have a list of weeds that are not permitted to be in the United States of America. Uh, and if they're there, they have to be dealt with. The states then have a list on top of that. Uh, they have to enforce the fed list as well as their own state list, things that will be detrimental uh, no doubt your state has this as well because of your agriculture community. Um, and these are plants that infect uh, uh, crop production, uh, things that pr uh, will affect animal production. Uh, and so they, they have these lists uh, that require landowners to take care of these particular species if they're on their property. Then you get down to a county level, and they also can add to that list and have... Uh, so there's quite a list of things that you can get together uh, that you're supposed to take care of. So we worked in an enforcement capacity uh, to deal with these plants. And one of the things that we did the most was spraying chemicals for noxious weeds. And if you've ever been involved in spraying chemicals, it's a very touchy business. Um, it has to be done right because you're trying to target specific species and keep things that are good or things that you want uh, to have around. And so there's a lot of laws involved with this. Um, from the feds and on down, um, and, and it can get real particular. And so these chemical companies will make a label, and the applicator has to follow a label, and it will tell you the temperature that you can spray this chemical in, uh, the wind speed that's, that's appropriate or too high because uh, wind will cause drift and take it to places you don't want the chemical to hit. Chemicals can ride on heat waves in the summer and uh, trans, uh, transport themselves that way. And so they have all these rules that you're supposed to follow um, uh, when you're ap uh, applying chemicals. And so in, in my job, I was dependent upon the weatherman. You talk about a horrible person to be dependent upon. And uh, now there were days, every government worker has them, uh, where you felt like being in the office and the weatherman was your friend. <laughs> 
See, the weatherman says it's going to be bad today, so I might as well just sit in my office and uh, catch up on something. <laughs> and uh, I see some federal government workers here. Amen. My government buddies. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but anyhow, uh, we would check the weather. I'd go in in the morning, and we would begin looking at different uh, weather stations that were throughout our area. And uh, Brother John and Sister Lana, they've been to our area a number of times. <laughs> it's windy in Idaho, and uh, a lot of times. And the, the limit was 10 miles an hour. If it's over 10 miles an hour, you cannot spray. And, uh, man, some people sneeze faster than 10 miles an hour. And so uh, you would have to be kind of uh, uh, creative sometimes. And, and we would begin to look at these different weather stations through these areas we would be working in. And uh, there was days where we'd say, okay, well, it looks like here we can spray to, you know, noon and, and, and we're going to be fine. After that, we'll have to close it down. There were other days where it may have already been over 10 miles an hour when we got to work. And I had a tremendous boss. She wasn't your typical government worker. She remembered that you're here to serve the people, and she was happy to remind you that. And uh, she would come in and find out what we were doing. And uh, we'd say, well, Callie, the weather says out here at Bell Rapids, it's already 15 miles an hour, and it's not going to slow down today. And she would tell us sometimes, a lot of times, you get in your truck and you go find a place to spray. Because Idaho is not like Kansas. It's not flat. Uh, there's canyons and there's mountains, there's valleys. And you can go get in one of those valleys, and it may be 15 miles an hour on top, and it's dead calm down in the bottom. And my boss knew that. And so rather than letting us rely on the weatherman to get us out of working, she said, you go out and find a place to work. And she really had a way to motivate us. We carried Pulaski's on our trucks. And uh, she felt like if you can't find a place to spray, you pull that Pulaski off and you go start walking the roadside and chop thistle. I tell you, you'll find a place to spray if you're out there chopping thistle. <laughs> and so uh, if I were to have relied on the weatherman every day that I worked that job, I would have never got anything done because the weatherman always has something negative to say. It's going to be too windy. And so wait till tomorrow. And have you ever noticed, you check in the morning, you look tonight and see what it says that's going to be tomorrow morning uh, 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 or to, for tomorrow evening, tomorrow afternoon. And then check again in the morning when you get up, and it's going to be changed. They're going to have adjusted it. And so we're always looking ahead. Well, tomorrow we'll get out there and we'll get these weeds sprayed. I have friends that were farmers, and if they were to look at the, the weather forecast and say, well, I'm going to plant tomorrow because it's going to be ideal conditions, um, today I could do it, but tomorrow looks like it's going to be better. I'm telling you, tomorrow it's not going to be good either, and it's going to change again. And Well, now it's going to be Thursday, and then it's going to be Friday, and it's going to be next week, and then next month. And that's what the Bible was speaking about. Solomon said, He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. And what I want to teach, preach, whatever this is, for just a few minutes, is God needs workers, not weathermen. Amen. Amen. I missed opportunity to spray because I listened to what the weatherman said. I looked at the forecast and thought, well, it's too fast. Or by the time I get to where this is at, uh, it's going to be, the conditions aren't going to be proper. 
And, and so I missed out on, on doing uh, things that needed to be done because I relied on what the weather said it was going to do. And farmers have missed out on opportunity to harvest crop, to plant crop, because they're looking at the clouds. And I'm not criticizing them. That's something you have to do. But if that's all you ever do, you're never going to get anything done. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the weathermen are few. It wasn't a lack of weathermen. It wasn't a lack of people waiting for tomorrow. Rather, he said, the laborers, the workers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. The only prayer request Jesus gave, that he will send forth workers, laborers into his harvest. Amen. If ever we had a prime example, a perfect example of a worker, it was Jesus Christ. Amen. He worked. He worked and he worked. Amen. In the last scripture, he was moved with compassion at the sight of people who were lost and on their way to hell. Amen. And I believe it ought to move us when we see the multitudes of people who are around us in our world, who are lost and on their way to hell. Amen. It's not just that they don't know God, but it's that they're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire if God does not get a hold of their hearts. Amen. It's begun to eat on me. I sat on an airplane the other day and watched as people filed past me. And I realized uh, only my family on this aircraft uh, appeared to know God, appeared to be on their way to heaven. And all these people are going to burn in a lake of fire if somebody doesn't tell them that Jesus came to die for them and to reach for them. Amen. And I realize we're not going to save, well, we can't save anybody. and We're not going to reach everybody. But I sure want to be a worker that God can use to reach those who are hungry for Him. Amen. It's a lie of the devil that there's nobody hungry for God in this city. Amen. I believe all over this city there are people who are hungry for God. Amen. Looking for somebody to bring them the message of truth that is preached across this pulpit. Praise the Lord. Amen. And if there was a lack of workers in Jesus' day, I believe there's still a lack of workers today. Amen. The country I live in, it's only a little over 200 miles long, 90 miles wide at its widest point. It's an island. There's 23 million people. Amen. And there's three pastors that I know of that are preaching the truth on that island. Amen. It's a lack of workers. A lack of workers. Amen. And, and don't get nervous. I'm not trying to call anybody to Taiwan. I'm just telling you about where I live. In this city, no doubt, Pastor Regan would tell you there's a need for more churches. There's a need for more preachers and people. Just anybody who will tell what the Word of God says. And Jesus was moved with compassion 
I don't want to get to a place where I can just go to town and be, well, whatever, these people are... They don't know God, whatever, I'm just doing my business. No, I want to be looking for somebody that is hungry for God. Amen. And I believe what his prayer was should be our prayer. Lord, send forth laborers into your harvest. And if I could add on, not trying to perfect his prayer, his prayer was perfect. But Lord, while you're sending, would you send me? Amen. That doesn't mean I'm going somewhere, but God send me right here into Olathe in the Kansas City area because I know you have people who are hungry for you here. Amen, amen. There's a lot of lost people in our world. And I believe that there's a harvest that God is trying to bring in. Read John chapter 4. Amen. When he was teaching his disciples about the harvest there uh, in Samaria. Amen. And he told them to get their eyes. Lift up your eyes and look on the field. Look on the people who are already ready for this truth. Amen. No doubt there's people here ready to hear the truth. But God needs some workers. Amen. I believe that the forecast has already been given by God. That's why God doesn't need weathermen. You can't improve on God's forecast. Amen. Peter preaching the word of God, quoting what the uh, prophet Joel had said. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And in it shall come to pass in the last days, saith Joel. No. In the last days, saith Peter. No. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Amen. And he begins to go through some things that are going to happen. And he tells them it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we understand what that means. That's not just saying, Jesus, I accept you. Amen. That's calling on the name of the Lord and obeying his word just the way he said it. Amen. And God isn't looking for our opinion about the harvest. God's not going to come and ask you what you think about winning souls. He's just looking for people to use. Because he's already given the harvest. The report. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That's what God said he's going to do. In the last days. The time that we are living in. And there's some stories in the Bible where God spoke something and people tried to interpret it however they thought or they just flat out said, uh, uh, I don't believe what the Word of God says. But when God speaks, it's going to stand and it will come to pass. You remember the, the famine uh, in the city. The people of God were besieged. Uh, is that the right word? Besieged? Yeah, they were surrounded, whatever that word is. Chinese forces English out of your brain, so I apologize. Uh, and, and they're surrounded by the enemy. And uh, it's so bad they're, they're eating uh, uh, pigeon dung. That's pretty terrible. They're paying for that stuff. And I shoot those things with a passion. You can, sometimes people will pay you to shoot pigeons. Yeah. But here they were paying to eat the dung from pigeons. That's pretty terrible. That's pretty horrible. Things were getting real bad. I believe they were eating each other too. And uh, all of a sudden, 
The word of the Lord comes to the man of God. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now that was pretty hard to see when you're eating pigeon dung and your friends are eating each other. And all of a sudden the man of God says, There's going to be plenty of food tomorrow. And there was a man. He was someone the king relied on. And he said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? There's people who have that kind of attitude. And the man of God had an answer for him. Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And we know the story how these leprous men outside the city, uh, they realize we're going to die anyways. And so we might as well go down and see if we can die with our bellies full. That's just my paraphrasing. That's not what the Bible says. But they realize we're going to die, and so we're going to go down. You know the story. They go down there, and God makes these four men to sound like an army coming. And the enemy flees, and, and they're gone. And these guys come looking around. Man, there's all this stuff left behind, and they're going to gather it up. And uh, They decide, hey, we need to go back and tell the city what's going on. And... Uh, so the word gets out. The people go out, spoil the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Because when God speaks, it's going to happen just the way that he said it's going to happen. And just as God said this was going to happen and it was fulfilled, so was the man uh, who doubted the word of God. He saw it, and that was the last thing he saw, as he was trampled to death in the gate by people who were going out to receive the promise that God said was going to happen. The word of the Lord, or could I say the forecast, came to pass just like God said it would happen. And God said it through his man. And I remind you, God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. Sometimes we're waiting to hear what God has for us to do, to, to, to uh, accomplish for Him. And in our world, there's a lot of people who say they're listening for God to talk. But when they come to the house of God, their ears ain't open. Amen. When your pastor's preaching, that is the word of God to you. Amen. And what he's preaching is going to come to pass. You mark it down. It's not just a man speaking. It's the man of God speaking. And so when he begins to talk about revival and winning souls, amen, it's not just some man of God just talking about revival. It's the man of God telling us about the revival that God's going to give and God's going to send. Amen. And when he says, this is what we're going to do, we don't roll our eyes and say, we've tried this before. We say, yes, sir, pastor, that's what we're going to do. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Because the forecast that God's given through the man of God is the forecast that God's going to fulfill. And I would rather be one who's a part of what God's doing than someone that God moves out of the way so he can do what he said he was going to do. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. 
Jonah was another man. I believe he wanted to be used of God. And uh, he had some issues. Thank God he can use people with issues because I've got them too. And uh, I don't think I've sat on the side of the city waiting for it to be destroyed yet. <laughs> Amen. But Jonah was a man I believe he wanted to be used by God. And uh, he had his own forecast. God, I want to be used for you. But in my mind, this is the way it's going to work out. This is what I'm going to be involved with. But when we tell God that we're willing to be used of him, that's where it stops. If we say, God, use me how you choose, it's up to him to choose how he's going to use us. Amen. And your pastor will know if what you're feeling is correct or not. Amen. And so here's Jonah. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Man, a lot of people would be excited about that. Here comes the word of God. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. God, I wanted to go down to the Walmart and hand out church cards. I didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach to these people. These people were hostile, according to history, to the people of God. And uh, Jonah didn't feel real motivated about that. Um, he was motivated to go the opposite way. God, I want to be used of you, but uh, I can't do that. That's not going to work. And uh, so he goes the other way, flees from the presence of God, and gets on a ship. We know the story. He, he got ate up by a, a well, three days in the whale hotel. Whew. Or big fish hotel. I don't know why we say whale. The Bible calls it a big fish, but uh, great fish maybe. Anyhow, Jonah had some time to think about uh, being used of God again. The word of the Lord comes to him again. Notice it was the same word. You're not going to change God's mind. You tell God you're willing to be used of him. God's going to have the same plan for you. I had a boss that if you waited long enough, this was in a different department at the county, if, you, if he gave you an assignment and you didn't like it, you'd just stand around and talk to him for five more minutes and he'd change it. And you could stand there as long as you needed to. And finally, you get an assignment you like, and okay, I'm out of here. I'll see you this afternoon. That's not how it works with God. When God gives an assignment, that's what it's going to be. And so here, Jonah, he's spoken to again. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And Jonah rose, went to Nineveh, and he begins to preach. And uh, uh, the people of Nineveh believed God, these evil People believed God because a man of God came and began to preach the judgment of God that was going to come on this city. And they proclaimed a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Uh, even the king got in on this. He came from his throne and took his, uh, laid his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. Everybody was going to fast, including the critters. And it was because somebody decided, finally, I'm going to go and do what God has commanded me to do. And he didn't even have the best attitude when he was doing it. We read later. But there he is, preaching the judgment of God. 
simply telling them what God told him to say. And God began to work on these evil people. And they began to repent. And they said, who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them. And he did it not. Amen. There was a whole city of people that God was ready to save. But he needed one man to go and do what he had told him to do. And Jonah had his own idea. Later on, he said, God, I knew this is what you were going to do. He didn't know what God was going to do. It was just bad attitude. God just wanted him to go and preach. It wasn't up to Jonah what, what the people did. All he needed to do was obey the command of God and preach what God had given him because God had already given a forecast. Jonah couldn't see the forecast. All he had was a command to go and preach. And God was able to use that man, even in, in spite of his bad attitude, and reach somebody. Amen. When God deals with us about people, we want to do what God is dealing with us to do. Amen. Whether it's a word of God from the pastor, go and invite people to church, knock on doors, whatever you do here. Or if you're in the grocery store and you feel like, man, I need to invite that person to church. I had, a, a, some of you have probably done Elder Howard's Bible College. I know Brother Jared has. And one of the instructors, it may have been Brother Short, that said, uh, I can't remember if he was talking to someone or he just told this. Feeling like, some, you know, sometimes anybody ever felt like, oh, I need to invite that person to church. You don't know him from Adam. You just see him in the store. You see him on the job or whatever the case. And sometimes we wonder, ooh, was that God that's trying to get us to invite that person to church? Brother Short, I believe, it may have been Brother Short made a good point. The devil's not going to encourage you to invite somebody to church. <laughs> and I'm not talking about being weird and praying, asking God what color socks to wear tomorrow morning when you get up. But if you feel like, I need to invite someone to church, maybe God's just trying to work on you to get you to uh, uh, reach to somebody that he's trying to reach. And we often say, no doubt you've said it, God, use me any way you choose. Uh, but are we really willing to do what we're saying to God that we're willing to do? When Saul was still Saul, hey, he wasn't a friendly fella. And uh, he didn't like people like us. He was making them be put to death. And God begins to work on him. We know the story. Knocks him off his animal. And uh, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now Jesus is talking to Saul. I believe Jesus knows what it takes to be saved. He made the requirements. It's his word. And so here he is. He's talking to Saul. And Saul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Well, Jesus could have said, Saul, you need to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost. That's not what he did, though. He was already talking to him. But he said, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Why? 
Because God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. God chose to use people. He could, he could, he could reach everybody if he so chose. But he uses his people. And so uh, here goes Saul. He's blind now. He goes into Damascus. And there's a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Boy, he's ready to work. And the Lord said, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias, I believe, was terrified. He knew of this man. And so he begins to tell God. Notice at first it was, behold, I am here, Lord. And now it said, Lord, I've heard of many, uh, by many of this man. He begins to fill God in just in case he had missed something about this man. How much evil he's done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And God, do you know why he's here? He has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. And you want me to go and pray for this dude? I think I'd have done the same thing. I wouldn't have been feeling all gung-ho to go and preach to this guy that's there to kill me. <laughs> but uh, God just needs people who will work. And God didn't even reason with Ananias. He just said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. There's going to be times where God deals with us and he doesn't tell us why he's dealing with us. Ananias got told this time, This is what I'm going to do. God's just looking for someone who will obey anyways. But the man who wrote most of the New Testament was reached by somebody who was willing to be a worker for God. God could have sent somebody else, and maybe he would have, but what would have happened if Ananias would have refused to go and to do as God had commanded him? The Apostle Paul who reached many, many, many people. And it started with one man who was willing to do what God had commanded him to do. He went in and prayed for him and uh, received his sight. He received the Holy Ghost. He rose and was baptized. And what a tremendous impact he made on the world. So much so we're still preaching what he wrote and what he did tonight. But God had decided now is the time to reach Saul. But he needed somebody that he could work through. And Ananias was understandably terrified of the will of God. But God just needs somebody to work through. If God's is sending you somewhere, he knows what he's doing. He's in control. He knows what's going to happen. He's just looking for somebody he can move through. I'm almost done. The same in our world today. God's still looking for people. Not people who only say, use me, Lord, but people who will allow him to use them. And uh, oftentimes we have our own ideas. Uh, 
just my own example. I never thought I would live in a foreign country. I'm an American to the core. I am a hillbilly. I live in Idaho. I love Idaho. I love cows. I love dairies. I love dirt. I love it all. And I live in a concrete jungle. And I speak Chinese. I'd have never have thought. I love to hunt. I probably, I know I made fun, not of the Chinese, but I probably did, but uh, uh, the language, you know, ching chong, wing wong, all those things when you're a kid wanting to be, sound like you speak Chinese. Now I live with them. I speak their language. Why? Because that's what God chose. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying uh, sometimes our plan is going to be a little bit different than what God's plan is. And so God's looking for somebody who will just go and work. People who won't say, well, I see what the world's doing. I see what it looks like out here and begin to give their own forecast. He just needs someone who will work. People who will follow the orders. Amen. And if I could say the orders who come through the man of God. Amen. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. If we look at this world. And what's going on? It can be easy to think, is anybody hungry for God? You look at the evil. Now, I'm sure if we went and pulled up the Kansas City News today, it would be full of evil deeds that have been committed through this city. And the, the depravity of humans and the evil that they dwell in. But that's looking at the, the weather. Looking at the wind. Looking at the clouds. And if that's all we ever look at, we're never going to go out and do the work of God. Amen. And the prophet said, speaking for God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Amen. God needs workers, not weathermen. Amen. Somebody who's willing to go and knock a door, to teach a Bible study. Whatever you do here, whatever your pastor leads you to do, that's what God's looking for, for you. Amen. For you to do. Because he said, in the last days it shall come to pass. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. And we want to be willing to do what God has called us to do. Amen. It's not just us four and no more. Amen. God wants the church to be full. Amen. God wants to reach people. People we work with. People we know. People we come in contact with. And the way he's going to do it is through you and through me. Amen. I want to be a worker. I want to be a worker. Would you lift your hands and talk to the Lord tonight? Thank you, Lord Thank you.